What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Multi Goodness Podcast, where we talk all things beer. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle Banky, sitting next to the man with the plan, Chris Tootin. Chris, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. It's hump day, and again, we are live on site today for an interview, yeah. so I'm, I'm doing fantastic. That's awesome. Um, quick, before we get into that, remember you can stay up to date with all things Multi Goodness at our website, multigoodness.com, or on Facebook at Multi Goodness, or on Instagram at Multi Goodness Podcast. Um, we have a special episode for you today. We're sitting in the tap room of Steady Hand Brewing Co. Uh, in Atlanta with Brian Sullivan, the brewmaster extraordinaire here at Steady Hand. <laughs> extraordinaire. That's awesome. We let him yeah. pick his title, and that was that was. The <laughs> I think we actually put extraordinaire on there, Kyle. But it's okay. Yeah, we did. He was much more humble about it. Yeah, Brian, how you doing today? <laughs> doing great. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thank you guys for the opportunity. This yeah, is no, awesome. No problem. Thank you for sitting down with us. Kyle's been trying. We've been trying to put this together for a while. I think we finally got our schedules all in sync, so this worked out. Yeah, so. yeah, like six Not months back and forth. You know, COVID too, and all that stuff happened. So, oh, the, oh yeah, that that thing. And right. hey, we're still in the middle of it. But yeah. you know what? We got beer, so it's okay. We do have beer. Um, well, let's kick it off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and give us a little bit of background on um, how you got into brewing? Sure, sure. So I've been a longtime home brewer um, all through college, and you know my my previous professional life i was a uh, i was a chef mostly in the west uh colorado and northern california and uh kind of wanted to get out of the restaurant business uh fine dining wasn't really my thing anymore and i'd always been into beer and uh took a, a fun job working in the kitchen at pyramid brewing in berkeley uh just got to know the brewers really well and really enjoyed you know talking with them and was envious of the work that they were doing and <laughs> Decided I was going to make that my career. Uh, I moved to Wisconsin, got nice. a, a head brewing job there in, in Sheboygan, Wisconsin at nice. Three Sheeps. Three Sheeps. Yeah. Yeah. I'm originally from Wisconsin. Oh, right. Wisconsin. Oh, awesome. Did you yeah. know that he was going to say awesome. No, I didn't. I was about to say, I literally, my face was like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's super awesome. Yeah. They make some awesome beer there. Multi yeah. Goodness has a, a, a pretty large Wisconsin following. Oh, so that's they're great. Gonna, yeah, yeah. I was going to say oh, they're awesome. going to like hearing well, that. Shout out to the cheese heads. I love it. Nice. So, yeah, I was there for about two years. I moved down here about 2014. 14-ish okay. to get this thing started. So uh, I always wanted to have my own business and uh, thought Atlanta would be a really cool market to do it. Uh, my brother is my business partner. He's lived here for a while. So I had some ideas about you know the city of Atlanta and just saw a really cool growing opportunity in the city. And uh, yeah, we got this building and, you know, started construction. I always rhetorically ask people why they moved to Atlanta, especially when they've lived <laughs> in other parts of the country oh, because right. the weather. That's coming from someone I grew up here and so I'm like I'm a little bit hard on the weather, but the uh, <laughs> the humidity I should say, which we're starting to feel now here in June. Yeah. So we're glad we're definitely glad you came down here. Kyle, I'm going to correct you on something by the way. Oh god. You said brewing company and it even says it on his I hat right in front of us. Oh, did it? Or did Beer I say company? company. Oh. <laughs> I, I'd be remiss not to Beer say that company. So I always like it when and obviously breweries aren't brewing company all the time. So I, I like oh, sure, that's sure. a cool yeah. that's a cool branding thing for sure. Mm -hmm. So I mean, yeah, we're definitely we're definitely glad that you're down here in Georgia because how long has Steady Hand been a business now? It's coming up two years? Uh, so technically we are in like 2.5 2 years. So when we okay. first started while we were doing construction, we did gypsy brewing, okay. um, contract gypsy partner brewing, kind of whatever, you know, you feel comfortable with for the yeah. moniker. But, uh, so we were able to utilize other breweries in Georgia to kind of get, help us get our beer out there, get our name, you know, into market a little bit, uh, especially while we were working on construction. So nice. it was super fun to travel and brew with other people at the, on their equipment and, 
you know? Yeah. It was great. It was, it was good intro for us that's to the, get to know other people in the industry and it's a traveling awesome. collab right yeah. there. Yeah. I was going to say, it probably helps you build a lot of those relationships too. Just oh, for sure. That, just meeting new people and being able to work on their system. It's really awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned, obviously, so while out in Berkeley, it was kind of where you got interested in doing the brewing. So yeah. I don't know if that was when you first started getting into craft beer or not, but so what was your, what was that gateway beer into craft for Ooh. you that you, that you had or, <laughs> I know wow. it's a tough question, right? It's a really tough question. <laughs> There's can, multiple ones, you know, like yeah. each one has its own little peak in your mind, but mm -hmm. I would say McEwen's export Scotch Ale was one. You know, right around, I may or may not have been legal at the time, but right around that time is when that, like, I was like, wow, this is True. extremely flavorful, you we know. We topped the line with that question as well. Yeah. <laughs> so all the yeah. time. Gotcha. I love the fact that it was a Scotch Ale because that's all, that's actually one of my favorite styles, if not my actual favorite style. And it's, it's underrated because yeah. there's a, there's an, I don't want to say there's a way to mess it up, but there's definitely a way to make it in too much of a brown ale or a porter if you don't do it just right. Oh, so. sure. <laughs> I would say pretty much anything that Bell's made. While I was in college, was pretty, you know, that was extremely influential on me, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the beer. We have some in front of us. Yes. Um, why, don't, why don't you? Uh, we we have three, say, well, I'm, four, I'm five, like, whatever. Uh, uh, where, do, where do we start? Well, yeah. So we're going to start with one. the lightest one based on color and flavor, uh, but by no means the least. You know, it's quite a flavorful <laughs> thing. So we've been playing around with, you know, we always try to do several beers in the R&D series here at the Tap Room. And this is kind of like instant feedback for me. If something works at one barrel, would it work at 30 or 60? You mm -hmm. know, and so it's, we're playing around with stuff, you know. It's still tweaking everything. So the first one you have in front of you is what we're calling Sparker. Ooh. And that is a hard kombucha. So it's coming in at 4.5%. Uh, we use ginger. Uh, a little bit of Meyer lemon in this one. Oh, I smell it. It's it's coming. I, the ginger's coming through, yeah. and I like ginger. It's a it's one of those flavors that's sometimes hit or miss for people. But I think most yeah. kombucha drinkers like it for sure mm -hmm. because oh, sure. it's a it's a tonic of sorts. Anyway, oh yeah, so. I love me some ginger too. Right. So I mean, yeah, the, I think it's a really cool beer style, and I love the the fact that it's a lighter, like and just in color too. Sure. It's going to be very similar to like the seltzers that a lot of breweries are making now. Yeah. Which. So for me, I'm going to ask the question. I got to know. So how, what's your take on, obviously, beer? We go through a lot of styles, a lot of different um, phases, if you will. Obviously, last year, so roundabout, it was hazy IPAs, and, and it kind of transitioned to low-calorie IPAs. And then all of a sudden, now we're into seltzers, that type of thing. I like the fact that you did kombucha, but so what's been one of your least favorite uh, trends that we've kind of gone through recently and Ooh. why? I, I think for me... Uh, the the one that the one that stuck out is one that I just didn't think I I, I didn't land for me was the brute IPA, and I think that yeah. was around hundred percent agree. You know, it was like I I picked up so much astringency from a lot of the hops and you know even the ones that I messed around with I just like I didn't think it was something I could you know it didn't really fit with our kind of style of balance and you know but uh and we featured one i think or maybe two brute ipas we got the one and you picked up the one in ireland i did Kyle and i did a thing oh, about nice. about a year ago actually not even where we both yeah. had gone to ireland on two separate trips and we just picked up random beers and he brought back a brute ipa and then remind me that style is usually more of a champagne yeast which is used is that a lot of times yeah champagne yeast a lot of times they'll use some en enzymes to really get as dry as possible you know get every ounce of fermentable sugar out of there um it's some interesting techniques for sure. And mm -hmm. I think there's some really cool applications for what people were doing with it. 
Uh, didn't really, it just wasn't one that I loved, yeah. you know, which, but I which, love the challenge of it. Yeah. I, new, and I actually know? agree with you on that one that the brood IPA just wasn't really my style. Um, I feel like hops kind of, they, they tend to be a great thing in beer if done right. And I feel like that just didn't allow them th- that style in general. Most of the ones I've had, haven't allowed them to, to really come through enough to really make be the star of the show. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, but so the kombucha, by the way, it's fantastic. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank um, you. And nice. thank you for answering that, that question for me. Cause like I said, it's one that, yeah. I just like to know how professional brewers feel about about different trends that we've gone through recently. Sure. So, um, what do you what do you get on flavor, Kyle? Other yeah. than what Brian described, no cheating. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, that kind of takes away a little bit of what I was going to say, but I do get a lot of ginger on the flavor, which I I like. Yeah. Um, and it's got the really nice light body to it. Like I feel like I could slam an entire glass of this in five seconds. We have, a, I six, walked in, we have a six pack test. Yeah. What yeah. It sounds like. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I walked in from like, let's say mowing the lawn or it was hot out, right. I could slam an entire glass of this. Yeah. Really easily. What's awesome. the ABV on this? So it's four and a half. Okay. So it's not far off from, I mean, cause kombuchas are usually trace amounts anyway. I think yeah. alcohol, just people don't really, I guess it's low enough that they can put them in the stores usually and not if the market is alcohol. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Maybe um, it's like the, uh, the non-alcoholic yeah. beer. Similar. Sh- then still got a, still got true. a little bit of alcohol in it, but it's not quite there. That, that's that's one trend that. <laughs> glad I don't have to get on board with yeah. too much. Yeah, no, I think it's it's really fantastic. I mean, compared to I've been drinking craft seltzers a little bit more recently, sure. and I've, in my opinion, has almost done a one eighty on that style for me. Yeah. Um, craft, particularly craft. Look, luckily, here in Georgia, we got a few breweries that are putting out some pretty good ones, and this one for me is actually again, it's it's super crushable in the same way that like. I could sit there kind of on a patio and sip it. I could morning beer. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Help the gut a little bit. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. So that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. So <laughs> I'm making no health claims here, but that's all, you know. It's kombucha, so I'm <laughs> going to assume that there's health claims. That's fine. It's like wine. Wine's sure. fruits, whatever. It's, it's eating your fruits. Yeah. So. so why don't you uh, talk a little bit about the name? Where did the name come from? What's the, the reasoning behind the name of Steady Hand? Sure. Um, give us a little background on that. So, you know, my brother Kevin and I, we went back and forth on a lot of different names, and it's super tough with this many breweries in the country you know there's only so many combinations of words in the english language that aren't used by someone else uh so we kind of thought like what's you know what tells the story of us right and uh so our family coat of arms our last name is sullivan uh our family coat of arms goes back to about 16th century ireland and if you translate the the inscription on the bottom the motto uh from gaelic to english it's steady hand to victory so we thought and this would be great you know let's you know, try to snag that for the name. So it's no longer, you know, a wartime battle cry for the family. It's more like, you know, it, it's for us, it's, you know, we're kind of holding true to our ideals of the beers we want to make and the kind of experience we want to put out there. So that's really I, awesome. I like the organic when, when, when brewery names kind of come up organically like that, it's just kind of you find, it, especially when it has kind of even a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So before I'm going to go ahead and ask too. So we got a couple other beers. I want to make sure we get a chance to kind of oh, spotlight yeah, yeah. some of the different ones we're going to be trying today. So um, what's the next one, Brian? That you want to? So let's move on shot? to the lager next. Yes. So this, this one, one is we just called it lager, and for us, it's uh, you obviously can't see the can via the podcast, but yeah, um, it's kind of this classic Americana with a little bit of you know kind of modern twist to the design, mm-hmm. and we really wanted to do a sort of pre-prohibition style lager. It's like a full-bodied. American lager. I never tasted one that was made before Prohibition, so this is somewhat <laughs> of a guess. You mean you don't time travel as well? Come on. <laughs> I haven't got around to that one yet. Um, <laughs> but we also wanted to use as much, you know, grown in the region that we can. So uh, 
about 98% of this malt bill is grown in North Carolina. So we're using stuff from Riverbend, we're using Epiphany, and we're also using Carolina Malt House. So we thought it'd be really cool to have a sort of terroir to mm -hmm. a southern lager based on things grown in our region. Yeah, That's and, really and awesome. I mean, lagers are a style that sometimes get kind of muddled together in terms of how they taste for a lot of people, especially considering most of the domestics are a, a style of lager mm -hmm. for sure. the most part. Um, I mean, for me, what I really like about the flavor on this one is that the malt body, you know, you can you can tell the craft that goes into the, the malt bill there, kind of like you just described. So it's a multi-goodness beer, Kyle. It is a multi-goodness beer. Nice. It may be up there with one of the multi, That's you true. know, the top end of the multi beers, you know. We just make all sorts of random stuff up on the show, of course, and the multi-goodness scale is one of those. But um, I do, yeah, I definitely like this one. And and is this, for? correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, is this one we described as a foggy lager? No. Oh, okay, no. this is different. That's just but, a little condensation. But you guys on. do have a this. We is the, do this have is a foggy haze. lager, yeah. Okay, yeah. that that one also seemed like it had a pretty cool backstory, and that's what we we love being able to look at the board today and kind of what you're what you have on is there's this. It's almost like hey, how do we choose four or five beers to have on the show? And so this one, I like the fact that it is locally sourced. I mean, it's you know we talk a lot about locally sourcing your beer. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So I think the same should go for go for the grains. So yeah. Um, so why don't we talk? You know, we're talking styles, right? Right now, um, why don't you talk a little bit about maybe the f one of your favorite styles you've ever brewed before? It could be professional or homebrew oh, yeah. that you've uh, you put together. <laughs> we brought um, the tough questions today. I, I think for me, and, and we put this out commercially, the Circles of the Sun Blonde Stout, I think was probably the best, like the most fun one because I I love history and I love the history of beer and you know, why people brewed the beers that they did and why styles did evolve. Mm -hmm. So that's loosely based on a recipe uh, that was brewed in England, I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe it's this right. is we, like we early 1800s. Well. Uh, it's a beer called Pale Stout. Okay. And in British brewing terms, stout never necessarily meant dark. Yeah. It just meant a strong version of any one beer. So I thought it was kind of fun, like sort of recreate that style, but take our own little twist on it. So we do add toasted coconut to it. Um, to kind of round out that flavor and give some, you know, additional kind of tropical note to it. But yeah. I think it's just a lot of fun for a base style to sort of recreate history a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's people who've made interesting beers, you know, hundreds of years ago. And I know Kyle can can probably speak to it because when we we did actually our first multi goodness beer and we mm -hmm. we were sipping on that the day that we actually did that first beer and it yeah. definitely was like a well we got a got the bar now set for how to yeah. do it it kind of describes nice. like you said stouts don't have to be this super high mm -hmm. you know the the american imperial stout has kind of made it so the especially american craft drinkers look at stouts as being something that's super heavy but i think that the history of what it is is kind of it's it's it actually is a lot more open than people realize to how you can interpret that style so yeah yeah it's interesting because i i have a few friends that we've sent this way and i told them you got to have circles of the sun when you come um and they were expecting something dark and they pour it and they're like is this the right beer you know like they're oh, really yeah. confused and <laughs> and then they come back and they were like of you know i didn't realize that a stout could be something other than something dark so yeah. um and i actually just had a conversation with my cousin about it the other day too i said you know white stout um or even blonde stout really good style for you to try and he was blown away by the fact that that even existed there's you know more than just the the one that people typically see so it's really cool that that's one of your you know flagship beers that you guys typically put out um to see that 
you know, ever expanding um, style of beers being offered here. Therein lies nice. the craft. Too. Right. The fact that you can have a lot of conversations about different styles and stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's. So I have to ask, actually, while we're on the topic of stouts, um, sounds like y'all have a pretty good uh, stout brew coming up here soon in the next yeah, few weeks. Yeah, we're, we're real excited to be a, a, a part of the Black is Beautiful collaboration with Weathered Souls out of San Antonio. Nice. They put out this awesome recipe, this really cool artwork, and it's a, it's a neat thing. I mean, a, a sort of open-ended invitation to collaborate amongst all the breweries and to even do some, uh, you know, additional proceeds going towards social change. I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, it's, we're, we're super pumped to be involved with, a, a couple of local creative people, DJ jelly, and also, uh, Deborah Von Treese from twisted soul, uh, cookhouse and pours. So it's, we're kind of getting creative people together to collaborate on something and see if we can do some good in our community. So That's really we're pumped cool. to make it. Plus, an imperial stout in the summertime. I mean, yeah, you're sitting in AC all day. It doesn't matter. I like it. Right? We're just gonna yeah. we're just gonna go show that you can you can drink a stout. Any an imperial because that is that considered a imperial stout or a Russian imperial? Stout? I'm trying to remember the style. I mean, that they put for us, it. I think it's it's probably closer to an American imperial stout. Mm-hmm. Um, the malt bill is pretty much North American two row and some chocolate those kind of things. Um, probably won't have some some of the same similar notes to go full Russian yeah. imperial, but you know, those lines are so blurred. It's so interesting to see the evolution of beer styles. Yeah. yeah. And, and obviously we love the fact that, you know, we did, you know, there's been a recent one we did all together. That was a great collab. I love the idea that it seems like without even having to really have weathered souls reach out to a bunch of different breweries, everyone wants to get involved in mm-hmm. this type of thing. Cause they understand that the, that, that what it's going for and what it kind of stands for as a brewery, it kind of brings the community together as a whole and also kind of actually goes, you know, part of the proceeds are going to a good cause as well. So super excited to try y'all's, uh, y'all's interpretation. Maybe we'll try and do another side by side with another few. (laughs) And and they give you a a little bit of wiggle room to kind of take it and make it in your own too. So it'll be really interesting to see all the different variations that come out of that. Yeah. We're excited to do kind of a culinary aspect to, you know, play around to see what Deborah has come up with. And yeah, We'll collaborate. It'll, it'll be a lot of fun. That's Do y'all awesome. anticipate any type of, um, obviously with, with COVID-19 going on, it's hard to do release type events and parties, but I mean, is that something it sounds like there's a partnership there that potentially you're going to have an event of some sort, you think? Yeah, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're still working on the framework of how that is. You know, we do have an expansive patio and that definitely helps. Yeah. Um, we also have quite a bit of people who want to just come and pick up to-go beer and they're interested in the new things. So there's kind of two different pathways for people who want to, be on site at an event and the people who still want to get the beer and yeah. take it on their own, you know, those are options. I always feel bad that I can't go literally around to every brewery in Atlanta making <laughs> all the, you know, doing these collab, these worldwide collabs and pick up the actual, every single can every from single everywhere. One. Not only are funds limited, but also my time is limited. And so by the time true. I get to them all, the, someone's going to be out inevitably. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I forgot what I was going to say, but, um, you brought it up. You talked a little bit about COVID Chris. Um, so how has that maybe affected a little bit of your operations and how you guys have like decided to move forward with opening and all of that kind of stuff? Give us a little info on that. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was really tough to plan and it still is very tough to plan. You know, we, we were very close to watch all the regulations and to kind of be mindful of what our customers were comfortable with. You know, so even if it's like you could be fully open, I wanted to make sure that everybody felt safe here and that um, we take some extra steps to make sure the staff felt comfortable being here and that we're monitoring everybody's kind of health. And um, I think that's the biggest importance is just being mindful of protecting your community and taking care of everyone. Um, For us, we redesigned the tap room. So it's, 
it's kind of a one-way flow so that people aren't congregating um, too closely to the bar. We do have a few tables that are, you know, distanced apart. Mm-hmm. Um, we have sanitizer stations. You know, and those kind of obviously, things, y'all, y'all have kind of got a tap room that is can not say conducive to handling this type of thing, but <laughs> no one ever anticipated it. But it is obviously you have that setup where you can easily kind of put the lines on the ground to kind of help guide people to say that hey, you know, to go pickups this way. If you are going to hang out, we've kind of got this, this the high top tables that are a little bit community, but also can keep far from each other. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a nice big space to begin with. I mean, so that that and you've got the patio too. So it's definitely is to your advantage. So. Um, from a beer production standpoint, how has, cause we've, we've talked a little about with some of the other breweries in town and obviously we've, from what we've seen is that obviously distribution had to change sure. a little bit and not going it down that, that rabbit hole, but from a beer production standpoint, what has it looked like from creating new beers? Um, have you done as much, I say coming up with new beers and how much has production shifted because of all the, everything going on? Yeah. So, you know, we, we had planned on releasing a couple of beers that were going to hit end of March and April, even part of early May. And we just kind of shifted our release calendar off about a month, month and a half. So just and waited to brew them. Essentially. Yeah. So it was kind of like, let's stay with our core beer and get those out there. Cause we do have a lot of retailer partners who did see an uptick in business and we would want to make sure they weren't running out of beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also had, you know, extremely great support from our, our customers and fans who came here when it was just a table at the front door and we only sold to go. So we want to make sure that they got their product, but then also, you know, people had asked us for, for newer beers and we wanted to keep it moving. So, uh, we released the budding enterprise, uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a couple other new ones coming and we still want to keep those things going, keep fresh beer and interesting stuff in people's yeah. hands. So, and we have budding enterprise. Yes, you do. As well. Yeah. Um, so I already had to take a sip oh, by man. the way. Chris cheated. I couldn't help it. <laughs> Chris cheated. <laughs> I did cheat, but yeah, tell us a little bit about budding enterprise. Cause I, it's good. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so it, this one is sort of, uh, kind of our kickoff to summer. So it's, it's hazy IPA 5.4%. Um, tons of hop character and aroma and flavor but didn't you know it's a pint can didn't really want to hit people over the head with a higher alcohol one because it's a good easy drinker for for a hazy ipa Mm. so the bitterness is fairly low there's a lot of things that uh make it pretty conducive to what you'd start your summer off with i know it's a little bit different given our current situation but we thought you know you're going for a hike you spent the day on the river you know what would you be looking for yeah you know yeah, and y'all have got a few, speaking of river, y'all have got a few. This is not the um, one y'all are doing in collaboration with Waterkeeper, is it, though? No, but you'll taste that one next. Sweet. Yeah. Well, hey, go ahead. If, if it's one of these, let's yeah, go let's and crack, crack it. it. I was going to say, because um, we've got two more beers sitting in front of us. Yep. This, yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah. Love that sound. This this can that uh, Brian's pouring for us now actually doesn't even have a label on it, so we feel super honored to get to try something right before it comes out. And yep. Brian would confirm. I think yeah, this one's going to be coming out here soon. Absolutely. We're doing the release party for this beer next week. So July kicks off um, uh, kind of an initiative with the Chattahoochee River Keepers. Uh, so this is the quality beer tour. So a lot of the breweries who we all use, the Chattahoochee is our river source or our water source. Um, so this is kind of our give back to, you know, the people who are protecting that waterway and what makes it so awesome that we have such a cool natural resource in the middle of this town. So, um, yeah, this beer is a hazy double IPA. Uh, so this has got, you know, some melon notes, some citrus, kind of lemon candy, all kinds of different crazy hop aromatics. Kyle and I are different on how we feel about the, the hop 
flavor profiles. He's more <laughs> of like that Simcoe piney resinous, and I'm, uh, I'm more okay. of the fruity, the you know the fluid, fruit, fruity, fruity. <laughs> Doug Fluity from Doug back Flutie. Flutie. I was on why that was what came across. But I'm a bigger fan of like the yeah the the kind of the fruity flavors, and yeah. so that's why this the what you just described the melon. That's something I always kind of aiming for. It's super hazy. Um, yeah, it's I was I was comparing it in colored because obviously hazy. I feel like a lot of double IPAs traditionally have been that kind of a darker version of the, the ipas especially west coast style but from what we've seen with hazy i feel like a lot of times the colors aren't that different and so it might be hard in a glass to tell yeah. straight up a difference mm -hmm. but this one definitely does look a little hazier um than yeah, there's a little bit more oats in this one um so the, the, you know what we like to do is give every beer its own little treatment and you know there's a reason why and some intention behind each of the malts that we use um to kind of bring about some different flavors and different different profiles and that's fantastic it's I will say. really good <laughs> i remember um when sweetwater did their that for a couple of years there they had done their their initiative with with waterkeeper as well and i and i always really liked that beer but i'm officially going to say it i like this one better yep. they stopped doing that one so that oh, anyway yeah. so, but this one's definitely much better in my opinion the the hazy double ipa is something that i've been able to get on board with um yeah. and i know from a brewing perspective, I don't want to say it's easier, but it is kind of, you don't have to worry about the filtration, so you can focus a lot more on the actual character and flavor that goes into the beer. So, I mean, that's that's definitely something that, that comes through in this beer, and I really appreciate. Yeah, I really like it. I love the little, nice melon notes there, um, but it still gives you that really, hot, you know, IPA kind of punch, yeah. um, which I, I enjoy. Um, but I would love, while we have you here, to talk about, the branding and how you guys maybe pick your your labels and maybe a little bit dive into that because we talk about you know when we talk about beer we talk about the can um a lot and uh the design of it so i would love to get your uh information on it as well oh sure sure so we use several different artists um kind of a, a ton of different people but we really try to paint the picture of the experience ahead of time in the label uh we try to bring a lot of intention into you know the the liquid going into it, but then also back that up with some killer artwork on on the on the can itself. So like you know, obviously can't see this on the podcast, yeah. but you know just looking at some of the imagery we like to pick. You know what kind of story does that tell? And that's where we kind of start off, so that there's kind of some seamless. Uh, you know. And I've been noticing recently with the pint cans versus the 12 ounce cans that are released more more around distribution, the core beers. I like the branding you have even on just the core beers kind of feature a color scheme of sorts with the with. And is that something y'all are still going to be doing going forward as well? Or is kind of the new pint cans that y'all have got coming out with kind of a little bit more individualized artwork? Is that something that y'all are proceeding with? We're probably, you know, we're really doing a little bit of both. I think one of the interesting lessons from this uh, COVID shutdown is that, you know, it's people still want some, some interesting beers. And for us, you know, we've, uh, we have some smaller tanks that we're cranking these things out of. And it's, it's a fun way to play around with, you know, something and change some different styles of artwork and change some different, different beer styles and have us keep putting out something interesting. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of, you know, we stick with those 12 ounce ones for a lot of our core beers. And then Sometimes, honestly, the artwork looks really, really good, nice and tall. So yeah. It goes in a tall I was going to say, sometimes, ironically enough, if people are trying to choose a beer in the store, a lot of times they ultimately, it's like wine. They make that decision based on the, the, the label that tracks yeah. them the most. And so, hey, yeah, you know, absolutely. not to say you're, you're stealing market share there, but sometimes that's what it's down to. Like, hey, you know, capture my attention. And then, then you'll realize that, hey, this is a fantastic beer inside yeah. the can, too. And but we hope that, you know, we communicate that, you know, we take this kind of approach to the artwork both inside and out so that someone gets to see that and you're like oh i'm excited about this 
Yeah. I mean, we can speak from experience. We've had steady hand enough, whether we've picked it up from here or picked it up in a store. It's like I said, the craft is is itself fantastic. But mm-hmm. so from a graphic design perspective, that's why I've always really enjoyed the branding I've used because it's like I said, it's there's not much I can pick out about it, even from the logo down to the down to just the way that the wording is on the can. I've always said, like I said, it's well placed. Yeah. There we go. There was nice. one can in particular I picked up that I loved. Mm. It was. Um, it was almost like a split of a river on one side. There was like a picture of a river and then it was almost like flipped onto the other side. So it was like the river going up the, the can. Um, I can't remember what beer it was in particular, but I loved um, just like how you guys use actual real pictures of, of different oh, yeah. landscapes and all that kind of yeah. stuff to incorporate into the beer. It's not just, um, you know, digitally made. It's real. Right. Yeah. So that was a beer called Gimme the Loop. And yeah, that was yeah, our... Uh, it was another hazy double IPA that was yeah. uh, released at our anniversary party, which thankfully was March 9th. And uh, the last, uh, <laughs> last uh, actually real had, weekend before uh, yeah. everything kind of fell apart. You picked some up and gave me so. a can. I That's did. the reason I had it. Yeah. So I, I'd forgotten. I'd blinked on the name too. Yeah. But I, yeah, that artwork, I think I remember texting you about this, Kyle, yeah. and telling you how much I loved that one because it, it looks like it's a mirror image, but I think it was just a reflection on the water the way that picture was taken. Yeah, and, yeah. And, so I was and like, then it turned on its side and it's a totally, you know, totally mm-hmm. different totally picture. It, so. yeah. It's really awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the future. What do you guys see uh, Steady Hand doing in the next two to three years? What's what's the ideal um, for you guys? Yeah, I mean that's uh, I, I, there's some lofty goals I think, mm-hmm. and some of that is market dependent. You know, I think uh, for us, especially what we've seen recently is that uh, you know people are still going out and buying beer. Uh, maybe the occasions that in which they consume it are, are slightly different. But is there anything like me? They're buying a lot more craft beer right, right now. Yeah, <laughs> so. ton more. Absolutely. Yeah. So that'd be yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. And I think you answered that question. I mean, well enough. It's like, hey, you know what? Like, we don't want to set our future now because it's almost like there's so much that we see ourselves doing, obviously. Yeah. And I think that's interesting when we ask that question. It's always like, typically it's the five-year question, but five years is way too far down the line for, oh, for yeah. breweries. Yeah. So let's just look at two to three now. So, I Who mean, I can he? say y'all are partnering with a lot of cool, like obviously organizations, whether it be for, you know, cause, whether it be, you know, Waterkeeper, um, Weathered Souls and what they're, they're doing with yeah. Black is Beautiful, some of the local around Atlanta, some of the, the providers for the malt and everything. So um, that's just the, an interesting take. I think beer can be anthropologic in a way and the fact that the it's a karma driven thing and that you know if you if you do good by and you're you appreciate those you're working with and understand the value in collaboration it's it's kind of what sets you apart as a brewery and makes you long-term successful no matter what direction you end up taking the brewery so um do we have any do you have any events so other than potentially a black is beautiful event potentially are you going to have anything else coming up or any future specific plans that you'll have for events or anything Uh, you you know we're kind of doing this sort of like try on thing with a mini events, you know, and most of it is around beer releases just so that, you know, people can still get their beer to go if they want to mm-hmm. and choose to stay as long as they want. Um, so yeah. the, you know, the first one will be the solace streams release, uh, of the mm-hmm. Chattahoochee river keeper beer. Um, so that'll be actually next, next Friday. So okay. we're excited about that. will be the kickoff for the holiday weekend for everyone. Nice. Other than the fact um, that we've tried it now, I'm definitely, I would like, I want to, I'm excited to see what the, the can design looks like on that one. Oh for yeah. Sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll be always close to the vest until next Friday. No, yeah, please do, please do. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, we've got another beer, rosé, rosé ale that we're going to release. Um, so that may be sort of an abbreviated version of a release party kind of thing. Still want to celebrate it a little bit, but you know, do it safely. 
Do it safely. Obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure Kyle was going to cover this, but I was going to say, let's go and crack. We actually have one more beer. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which we, we'd be remiss not to at least mention the fact that you guys are, you do have some sour type beers as well. And so that, yes. that's obviously, a, again, another trend that's been in beer the last few years, finally, that's coming around. But um, I was going to ask him what, about some socials. Yeah. For, uh, because we want to make sure that we give a shout out Steady Hand, make sure that listeners know where to follow Steady Hand and see what they have coming up. Yeah, so find us on Instagram, Facebook. That's most of our stuff. We're working through our website right now to do some additional updates and everything. Nice. I feel like, you know, you make an update and then it's out of date right yeah. away, you know, exactly. especially in this current situation. So technology. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you have you have merch, glassware, all that kind of stuff to purchase here in the tap room too. Yeah, People absolutely. can come rep you guys as well. Yeah, yeah. And we do curbside service. Uh Feel free to call and, and place your order or stop in and check it out. We also do mini kegs on occasion. So I we do the little that. party kegs for people. I so awesome if you don't have a kegerator at home, we got you covered. I that's, did not know that. that that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've always liked the fact that you and I, there's, you guys do this. So there's a few other around Atlanta that also do it that um, partner, I say partner with Atlanta United, but give the shout out to the Five Stripes a little bit. You'll have the scarf. You, I see, you see a poster over there too, which has steady hand on it. So yeah. I always like those types. But yeah, it, again, and you've got a wide variety of things. I mean, mm-hmm. it's every time I'm in here, I'm like, I could drop some serious dough on yeah. some merch. <laughs> and I'm like, but I like this hat you're wearing. You're, you're rocking today. Is that one of the ones that's over there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is my classic that's, foam trucker hat. I was about to say, Love that's it, a yeah. classic 80s trucker hat right there. You know, super the f- breathable in a hot brewery. It's yeah. good for you. That's true. So what uh, what are we drinking here? So we have a sour. Yes. Yeah, so we you know, we we've done a few sours, um, mostly just in the tap room. And it, you know, again going, going back to the kind of R and D one. So this one uh, was Las Delicias. Uh, so it's a Cascara sour, and this is another one along our collaboration line with uh, Brash Coffee. And uh, we've become really good friends with those guys, and we've learned a ton about flavor and coffee processing and just the industry in general. Uh, so they have this Cascara, which is just the the, the, the skin essentially of a coffee bean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where this is grown a super high elevation in El Salvador on a farm called Las Delicias. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of where the name comes from. You can see it on the label, kind of paints you in the picture as if you were in that high elevation farm. That's awesome. Um, but the beauty about that cascara is based on the elevation that it's grown and sun dried is you get amazing cherry, you know, like kind of like pipe tobacco, mm-hmm. wine yep. notes, all kinds of interesting fruit, even a little touch of honey. Um, so we use that in the beer. We also use uh, a mixture of Balaton and Montmorency cherries. So Cascara is called a coffee cherry. And since it has that kind of cherry sort of flavor, uh, we wanted to play with uh, you know, some tart and sweet elements to it. So it's a kettle sour. Uh, we also use a little bit of red tea in there too to kind of get that tan instruction. Yeah, yeah. um, so super easy drinking beer, but there's a lot of complexity to it. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of what we try to strive for and what we make. Yeah, I feel like every drink is different. I'm getting different flavors every time I take a sip, um, but it's really tart, really bright too. I, I like that really nice bright flavor. It's tart, but definitely not too too sour, which yeah. is good because it, it's. We talk a lot about entry beers into craft, and we ask you what yours were earlier. A lot of sure. a lot of times, there's there's a lot of domestic drinkers that don't necessarily. They're like, oh no, no way! I just give me the give me the uh, the lager, and that that's the one I'll drink, and don't give me anything else. But I feel like this type of beer that if someone was like, okay, I've heard a lot about sours, I want to get into this is potentially one because it's not super sour. Um, it's yeah. got a unique flavor that's almost like okay, like you know, again sitting here trying to pick all those flavors out so this is the type of beer that we'd like to to recommend for those types of drinkers because kind of like that rosé one that i imagine you're doing it's almost like a a transition beer potentially and so this one's complex 
So craft beer mm -hmm. drinker is going to like it, but also someone who yeah. maybe is newer is, is going to. So also and, super unique, by the way, oh, Kaspara. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And for us, you know, we, in, I'm glad you, you know, touched on the acidity. We don't want it to be gut wrenchingly sour yep. mm -hmm. because for us, there still needs to be, you know, what occasion would you drink this? What food would you want with it? Mm -hmm. You know, would this be super refreshing if you're out in the hot sun all day? So we try to think about like all the elements, the experience for the end user and, you know. For me, if it's way too tart, I'm, the next bite of food is ruined, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, and it's, it's I was having this conversation with my fiance the other day about the fact that coffee is actually not, obviously, that roasty bean that people always know. It's like you said, there's it's, there's actually a whole, fruit, whole yeah. lot more to it. It's a fruit. It's a true berry, and so I can honestly say I've never seen Cascara in a beer before, so I've only seen it at Starbucks drink. <laughs> so <laughs> Thanks, Starbucks. Thanks, Starbucks. Thanks, Starbucks. Um, super cool. Um yeah, I mean, Brian, appreciate you coming on today. Kyle, yeah. do we have anything else Thanks for having particular? us? Yeah, it's it's obviously we could we could always sit here and talk for a long time. Yeah. Um just about, you know, I like to beer nerd out and I know Kyle does too. And as you know, I like to beer nerd out about homebrew a lot of times. I'm glad I didn't bring it up right. too much today because yeah. um sometimes the restraint. I, yeah. <laughs> like you said, like you mentioned it earlier, you know, with how you got going with, with brewing, it was one of those like we all look at I look at brewing from a distance and say, oh, I would love to, you know, kind of get into that. For me, it's one of those things that that's not my cards from a career perspective, but I'm like, you know what? So I'm just going to homebrew and, you know, do interviews like this and get a chance to actually like, you know, live vicariously through you a little bit. So I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, today. really Absolutely. appreciate yeah. it, Brian. This was awesome. Um, typically do a cheers. Yeah. We'll do a cheers to a steady hand and some great cheers. beer coming out. Cheers, guys. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Multi Goodness. I'm here with Kyle and Brian today, and we just want to thank you again, Brian, for being on the show. Um, and rem remember that you can stay up to date with all things Multi Goodness on our website, multigoodness.com, or on Instagram at Multi Goodness Podcast, or on Facebook at Multi Goodness. And remember, Brian threw out them the socials earlier. They're on Instagram and Facebook as well. You can check them out in the tap room here at Steady Hand or if you don't feel like going out in public right now, check them out online as well in any one of their forms or fashions. But mm -hmm. um, they've got merch. We've got merch. Not much. Not nearly as much as they have. But we do have a little bit. So um, check it out. Rep local. And uh, yeah, any final thought, Kyle or Brian? I'm just going to say after having a lot of beers, my hands aren't too steady. So I'm just <laughs> going to throw true. that out there. <laughs> Very true. Cheers. 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 Cheers.